nah. I just, I, I love it, man. Just, yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, so, actually, I have a really short chapter this time, which is why I can record it in, like, 25, 30 minutes. So, that's, that's nice. Chapter 5. Nico buys happy meals for the dead. Creepy. At least I got a good night's sleep before the quest, right? Wrong. That night, in my dreams, it, I was in the stateroom of the princess, the stater room of the princess Andromeda. The windows were open on a moonlight sea. Cold wind rustled the velvet drapes. Luke knelt on a Persian rug on front of, uh, in front of the golden sarcophagus of Kronos. In the moonlight, Luke, Lu, moonlight, moonlight, Luke's blonde hair looked pure white. He wore an ancient Greek chiton and a white Himation, Humation, and a kind, a kind of cape, a kind of cape that flowed down his shoulders. The white clothes made him look timeless and a little unreal, like one of the martyr, minor gods of Mount Olympus. The last time I'd seen him, he'd been broken and unconscious after a nasty fall from Mount Tam. I looked perfectly fine, almost too healthy. Our spies report success, my lord, he said. Camp Half-Blood is sending a quest, as he predicted. Our side of the bargain is almost complete. Excellent. The voice of Kronos didn't so much speak as pierce my mind like a dagger. It was freezing with cruelty. Once we have the means to navigate, I will lead the vanguard through myself. Luke closed his eyes as if collecting his thoughts. My lord, perhaps it's too soon. Perhaps Cryos or Hyperion could lead. No. The voice was quiet but absolutely firm. I will lead. One more heart shall join our cause, and that will be sufficient. At last, I shall arise fully from Tartarus. But my lo- but the four, my lord. Luke's voice started started shakily, shaking. Show me your sword, Luke Castellan. A jolt went through me. I realized I'd never heard Luke's last name before. It never occurred to me. Luke drew a sword. Blackbiter's double-edged, double edge glowed wickedly, half steel, half celestial bronze. It had almost been several. It had almost, I had almost been killed several times by that sword. It was an evil weapon, able to kill both mortals and monsters. It was the only blade I really feared. You pledge yourself to me. Luke reminded. You took this sword as proof of your oath. Yes, my lord, it's just... You wanted power. I gave you that. And now, you are beyond harm. Soon, you will rule the world of gods and mortals. Do you not wish to avenge yourself? To see Olympus destroyed? A shiver ran through Luke's body. Yes. The coffin glowed, golden light filling the room. Then make ready to strike force. As soon as the bar- bargain is done, we shall move forward. First Camp Half-Blood will be do- reduced to ashes. Once those bothersome heroes are eliminated, we will march on Olympus. There was a knock on the stateroom doors. The light of the coffin faded. Luke rose. He sheathed his sword, adjusted his white clothes, and took a deep breath. Come in. The doors opened. Two drachni slithered in. Snake women with double spe- serpent trunks instead of legs. Between them walked Kelly, the Impulsa cheerleader from my freshman orientation. 
Hello, Luke, Kelly smiled. She was wearing a red dress, and she looked awesome. But I'd never, but I'd seen her real form. I knew what she was hiding. Mismatched leg, mismatched legs, red fangs, and flaming hair. What is it, demon? Luke's voice was cold. I told you not to disturb me. Kelly pouted. That's not very nice. You look tense. How about a shoulder massage? Luke stepped back. If you have anything to report, say it. Otherwise, leave. You don't know. I don't know why you're so huffy these days. You used to be fun to hang out with. That was before I saw what you did to that boy in Seattle. Oh, he meant nothing to me, Kelly said. Just a snack, really. You know my heart belongs to you, Luke. Thanks, but no thanks. No, re- no report or get out. Kelly shrugged. Fine. The advance team is ready, as you requested. We can leave, she frowned. What is it? Luke asked. A presence, Kelly said. Your senses are getting dull, Luke. We're being watched. She scanned the stateroom. Her eyes focused right on me. Her face withered into ha- into a hags. She bared her fangs and lunged. I woke with a start, my heart pounding. I could have sworn the impulsive fangs were an inch from my throat. Tyson was snoring in the next bunk. The sound calmed me down a little. I didn't know how Kelly could sense me in a dream, but I had heard more than I wanted to. An army was ready. Kronos would lead it personally. And they ne- all they needed was a way to navigate the labyrinths so they could invade and destroy Camp Half-Blood. And Luke apparently thought it was going to happen very soon. I was tempted... I was tempted to go and wake up Annabeth and tell her, middle of the night or not. Then I realized the room was a lot lighter than it should have been. A blue and green yellow glow coming from a saltwater fountain, brighter and more urgent than the night before. It was almost like, almost like the water was humming. I got out of bed and approached. No voice spoke out of the water, asking for a deposit this time. I got the feeling the fountain was waiting for me to make the first move. I probably should have gone back to bed. Instead, I thought about what I'd seen last night. The weird image of Nico at the banks of the river Styx. You're trying to tell me something, I said. No response from the fountain. All right, I said, show me Nico D'Angelo. I didn't even throw in a coin, but this time it didn't matter. It was like some other force had control of the water besides Iris, the messenger goddess. The water shimmered. Nico appeared, but he was no longer in the underworld. He was standing in a graveyard under a starry sky. Giant willow trees loomed all around him. He was watching some grave diggers at work. I heard shovels and saw, and saw dirt flying out of a hole. Nico was dressed in a black cloak. The night was foggy. It was warm and humid and fo- frogs were croaking. A large Walmart bag sat next to Nico's feet. Is it deep enough yet? Nico asked. He sounded irritated. Nearly, my lord. It was the same ghost I'd seen Nico with before. A faint shimmer image of a man. But my lord, I tell you this, this is unnecessary. You've already, you've already have me for advice. I want a second opinion. Nico snapped his fingers, and the digging stopped. Two figures climbed up out of the hole. They weren't people. They were skeletons in ragged clothes. You're dismissed, Nico said. Thank you. The skeletons collapsed in a, into a pile of bones. You might as well thank the shovels, the ghost complained. They have as much sense. Nico ignored him. He reached into his Walmart bag and pulled out a 12-pack of Coke. He opened a can. Instead of drinking it, he poured it into the grave. Let the dead taste again, he murmured. Let them rise and take this offering. Let them remember. He dropped the rest of the cokes into the grave and pulled out a white bag decorated with cartoons. 
I hadn't seen one in years, but I recognized it. McDonald's Happy Meal. Happy Meal. He turned it upside down and shook the fries and hamburgers into the grave. In my day, we used animal blood, the ghost mumbled. It's perfect. It's perfectly good enough. They can't taste the difference. I will treat them with respect, Nico said. At least let me keep the toy, the ghost said. Be quiet, Nico ordered. He emptied another 12-pack of sodas and three more Happy Meals into the grave, then began chanting in ancient Greek. I only caught some of the words. All about the dead and memories are returning from the grave. Really happy stuff. The grave started to bubble. Frothy brown liquid rose from the top like the whole, like the whole thing was filling with soda. The, fro- the fog thickened. The frog stopped croaking. Dozens of figures began to appear among the gravestones. Blush. Bullish. Vaguely human shapes. Nico summoned the dead with coke and cheeseburgers. They're too many. Ghost said nervously. You don't know your own power. I've got it under control, Nico said. Though his voice sounded fragile. He drew his sword. A short blade made of solid black metal. I'd never seen anything like it. It wasn't celestial bronze or steel. Iron, maybe? A crowd of sh- shadows retreated at the sight of it. One at a time, Nico commanded. A single fi- figure floated forward and knelt at the pool. It made slurping sound as it drank. Its ghostly hands scooped up French fries from the pool. When it stood again, I could see it more, much more clearly. A teenage guy in Greek armor. He had curly hair and green eyes. A clasp shaped like a seashell. Cloak. Who are you? Nico said. Speak. The young man frowned as if trying to remember. Then he spoke in a voice like dry, crumpling paper. I am Theseus. No way. I said. I thought this couldn't be Theseus. He was just a kid. I'd he was just a kid. I'd grown up hearing stories about him fighting the Minotaur and stuff. I'd always pictured him as huge, buff, and yeah. The ghost I was looking at wasn't strong at all. He wasn't any older than I was. How can I retrieve my sister? Nico asked. Theseus's eyes were lifeless as glass. Do not try. It is madness. Just tell me. My stepfather died, Theseus remembered. He threw himself into the sea because he thought I was dead in the labyrinth. I wanted to bring him back, but I could not. Nico's ghosts hissed. My lord, the soul exchange, ask him about that. Theseus scowled. That voice, I know that voice. No, you don't, fool, the ghost said. Answer the lord's question and nothing more. I know you, Theseus insisted as if struggling to recall. I want to hear about my sister, Nico said. Will this quest into the labyrinth help me win her back? Theseus was looking for the ghost, but apparently couldn't see him. Slowly, he turned his eyes back on Nico. The labyrinth is treacherous. There's only one thing that saw me through. The love of a mortal girl. The string was only part of the answer. It was a princess who guided me. We don't need to any of that, the ghost said. I will guide you, my lord. Ask him to if it is true, but an exchange of souls. He will tell you. Soul for soul, Nico asked. Is it true? I I must say yes, but the spectre... Just answer the question, Knave, the ghost... Knave, the ghost said. Suddenly, around the edges of the pool, other, the other ghosts became resentless. Restless. They stirred, whispering in nervous tones. I want to see my sister, Nico demanded. Where is she? He's coming. Theseus said fearfully. He sensed your summons. He comes. Who? Nico demanded. 
he comes to find the source of this power. Theseus said, You must release us! The water in my fountain began to tremble, humming with power. I realized the whole cabin was shaking. The noise grew louder. The image of Nico in the graveyard started to glow until it was painful to watch. Stop! I said aloud. Stop it! The fountain began to crack. Tyson muttered in his sleep and turned over. Purple light threw horrible, ghostly shadows on the cabin walls, as if the specters were escaping right out of the fountain. In desperation, I uncapped Riftide and slashed the fountain, cleaving it in two. Salt water spilled everywhere, and the great stone font crashed to the floor into pieces. Tyson snorted and muttered, but he kept sleeping. I sank to the ground, shivering from what I'd seen. Tyson found me there in the morning, still staring at the shattered remains of the saltwater fountain. Just after dawn, the quest group met at Zeus's fist, and packed my bag, thermos with nectar, a bag of ambrosia, bedroll, rope, clothes, flashlights, and lots of extra batteries. I had Riptide in my pocket. The magic shield, wrist slash wrist watch, Tyson had made for me was on my wrist. I made a it was a clear morning. The fog had burned off, and the sky was blue. Campers would be having their lessons today, flying Pegasus and practice arch- practicing archery and scaling the lava wall. Meanwhile, we would be heading underground. Juniper and Grover stood apart from the group. Juniper, Juniper had been crying again, but she was trying to keep it together for Grover's sake. She kept fussing, fussing with his clothes, straightening his rasta cap, and brushing goat fur off his shirt. Since we had no idea what he, we would counter, he was dressed as a human, with a cap to hide his horns and jeans, fake feet, and trainers to hide his goat legs. Chiron, Quintus, and Mrs. O'Leary stood with the other campers who had come to wish us well, but there was too much activity for it to feel like happy send-off. A couple of tents had been set up by the rocks for guard duty. Beckendorf and his siblings were working on a line of defensive spikes and trenches. Chiron had decided we needed to guard the labyrinth exit at all times, just in case. Annabeth was doing one last check on her supply pack. When Tyson and I came over, she frowned. Percy, you look terrible. You killed the water fountain last night, Tyson confided. What? she asked. Before I could explain, Kyron trotted over. Well, it appears you are ready. He tried to sound upbeat, but I could tell he was anxious. I didn't want him to freak out anymore, but I thought about my last night's dream. Before I could change my mind, I said, Hey, uh, Kyron, can I ask a favor of you while I'm gone? Of course, my boy. Be right back, guys. I nodded towards the woods. Kyron raised an eyebrow, but he followed me out of earshot. Last night, I said, I dreamed about Luke and Kronos. I told them the details. I told them the details. News seemed to weigh on his shoulders. I feared this. Against my father, Kronos, we would stand no chance in a fight. Kyron very rarely called Kronos his father. I mean, we all knew it was true, everybody in the Greek world. God, Mulsar, Titan was related to his each other somehow, but that wasn't exactly something Chiron liked to brag about. Oh, my dad is the all-powerful evil titan lord who wants to destroy western civilization. I just want i want to be just like him when I grow up. Do you know what he meant about a bargain? I asked. I'm not sure, but I fear they seek to make a deal with Daedalus. If the old inventor is truly alive, if he has not been driven insane by millennia in the labyrinth, well, Kronos can find it ways to twist anyone on to his will. No, not anyone, I promised. Chiron managed to smile. No, perhaps not anyone. But Percy, you must be aware. I've worried for some time that Kronos may be looking for Daedalus in a diff- for a different reason, not just passage through their mage. Maze. What else would he want? 
something Annabeth and I were discussing. Do you remember what you told me about your first trip to the Princess Andromeda, the first time you saw the golden coffin? I nodded. Luke was talking about raising Kronos, little pieces of him appearing in the coffin every time someone new joined his cause. And what did Luke say when they would do when Kronos had risen completely? A chill went down my spine. He said they would make Kronos a new body worthy of the forges of Hephaestus. Indeed, Karen said. Daedalus was the world's greatest inventor. He created the labyrinth, but much more. Automatons, thinking machines. What if Kronos wishes Daedalus to make him a new form? That was a really pleasant thought. We forgot to get to Daedalus first, I said, and convince him not to. Karen stared off into the trees. One other thing to do to not I do not understand. This talk of a last soul joining their cause. That does not blow, bode well. I kept my mouth shut, but I felt guilty. I'd made the decision not to tell Nico to tell Karen about Nico, being a son of Hades. The mentioning of souls for though. The mentioning of souls, though. What if Kronos knew about Nico? What if he managed to turn him evil? It was almost enough to make me want to tell Kyron, but I didn't. For one thing, I wasn't sure Kyron could do anything about it. I had to find Nico myself. I had to explain things to him. Make him listen. I don't know, I said at last. But uh, something Juniper said. Maybe you should hear. I told him about how the tree nymph, nymph had seen Quintus poking around the rocks. Kyron's jaws tightened. That does not surprise me. It doesn't sur- You mean you know? Percy, when Quintus showed up at camp, offered his serv- offering his services, well, I could- I would have been a fool not to be suspicious. Then why did you let him in? Because sometimes it is better to have someone you mistrust close to you, so you can keep an eye on him. He may just be what he says. Half-blood in search of a home. Certainly has done nothing openly that would make me question his loyalty. But believe me, I will keep an eye. Annabeth trudged over, probably curious why we were taking so long. Percy, you ready? I nodded. My hand slipped into my pocket where I kept the ice whistle Quintus had given me. I looked over and saw Quintus watching me carefully. He raised his hand in farewell. Our spies report success, Luke had said. The same day we decided to send a quest, Luke had known about it. Take care. Karen told us. Good hunting. You too, I said. We walked over to the rocks, where Tyson and Grover were waiting. I stared at the crack between the boulders, the entrance that was about to swallow us. Well, Grover said nervously, goodbye, sunshine. Hello, rocks, Tyson agreed. And together, the four of us descended into darkness. And that was chapter five. I hope you had a good time listening to me read this chapter. Um... Yeah, I mean, I really have to remember not to publish this because, you know, I publish on, like, up to, I'm pre-recording this. It's a Sunday right now, so if you comment, if you hear it on, like, a Tuesday and then you comment, um, not going to be in this episode, but hopefully the next one that I publish on Saturday, Saturday, because I, like, every three days I check, check my podcast and stuff, so, yeah. Also, guys, we got, like... One of my second biggest actually hit ever. We got 31 downloads instantly one day, or was it 31? Oh, now I'm so unsure. Is it 33? Because that's the max I've ever had. Oh, oh, I'm so unsure. Whatever, I'll try to remember to write it in this description so only people who have listened to the full 
episode will know. 30 downloads in one day. That's insane. Let's go. So, bye. Hope this wasn't too short, but like, I don't know. Maybe you could listen to it in the bus ride to school. I don't know. If you guys take the bus or if it takes this long, my bus just takes 10 minutes to school. And no, I'm not lazy. I just take it because it's icy outside and I don't want to slip and die. <clears throat> Leave me alone. Bye.